Good morning, LAFC. Welcome to our family worship service. A couple times a year, we gather together with everybody in the services. That means there's no ABF classes, crossover, our high school ministry. They, they, they meet here. Kidman, our children's ministry, they take a break from all the fun and the regularly, regularly scheduled items to join in the fun that happens right here in our sanctuary. So welcome to everybody. Today, we have a chance as a family, everybody together to join in one worship location. I love it. I'm really excited about it. Today, we'll continue our worship today with the teaching of Scripture. We'll share communion together, and we'll end with some more music. I'm looking forward to that. Our ushers have Bibles. They certainly do. If you need one today, as the ushers walk the aisle, signal to them. Know this, we also have a children's Bible that's available for any of the children that are in the room. Just, just make the special request of them. They'd be happy to give it to you. I'd be happy if we ran out of them. Because then, oh, man, we just busted our Bible purchasing line. Like, okay, great, we'll buy more Bibles. So, please, please consider that. All right. I am very excited about today. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Specifically, a single verse that is preceded by a moment of intimacy among the disciples. And this verse can be easy to scoot past. You can think that it's just a transition verse to get from one section to another. But I say that if we break it down ever so slightly, we slow our pace down just a little bit, we might see something in Jesus we hadn't fully considered before. If something catches your ear today during the sermon or something comes to mind that you want to remember, we do have our bulletin. You can make notes on back. Speaking of the bulletin, on the front of the bulletin. This is specially created for everybody in the room. This is an opportunity to color. It's a creative opportunity to color the front of the bulletin. The busy bags that Kidman placed near the entrance doors of the sanctuary. Uh, there, were, there were crayons in there and uh, kids, specifically speaking to the kids right now. If you can trust the adults you're with, consider sharing the crayons with them. Uh, but please tell the adults they need to get the crayons back to you because sometimes they just stomp it right into the carpet. So let's, uh, let's take care of our adults well. If you spend any time coloring the bulletin today, please, seriously, please at the end of the surface, come to the front. I would love to see your work. Every picture I had from last family worship service was scanned in and then featured in our pre-service PowerPoint. You never know how we're going to use it. I already got some for today. I'd love to see what you create during this time. Today, this day, is the last sermon in our current series. Last one. We're wrapping up a blaze, life and scripture meet. I hope it's been a blessing to everybody to hear from the text, to hear about the text that made an impact on the preacher that was on stage that day. I've enjoyed it a ton to preach and serve in this capacity, but Pastor Tony's back from his sabbatical, and I'm really looking forward myself for hearing Pastor Tony start our next series on prayer, because you got to believe, after three months of not preaching, there's got to be a fire in his bones to preach truth again. So, as we head into our last sermon for this series, would you please bow your head and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask in this time, in this, in this moment of, of silence in a way, Lord, that we're able to prepare our minds and hearts for what's ahead of us. Lord, would you calm our hearts as we consider our own basements or the basements of our neighbors who experienced flooding, 
or good friends just in the whole area who are looking at what they've lost. Lord, would we be able to mourn well with them? Would we be able to help them well? And Lord, perhaps in this time, would we be able to hear your scripture and something we can bring to them? Would you buoy us in this very wet time? Holy Spirit, come. Amen. We are going to look at a verse today in Matthew 26. We'll start reading in chapter 26, verse 26. That's on page 695 of the Bible. The ushers passed out. It's just a couple clicks away in the Bible app. Children, if you grabbed a Bible that the ushers had as well, ask one of the people around you to help you find Matthew 26, verse 26. Meet me there. Follow along with me. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I believe because of many of the traditions of the church, the much larger church, we can read at warp speed this section of Scripture. Verses 26 to 29 are often used in communion, something that we practice regularly here in this church. My feeling is because we practice communion regularly, and by we I mean most Christians practice communion regularly. There's potential for this text to become something Communion to become something that we just do because we just do it. It's what we do on Sundays. And we have to do it on the first Sunday of the month, don't we? I think that's in one of the first four Gospels. (laughs) Because of this rhythm, churches create rhythms. We have rhythms in our life. Church has rhythm as well. We might also subconsciously, because it's, it's a rote activity, we can treat the text in the same way. It just becomes the next thing to read before we get to the thing we are aiming for. But when that happens, the verses around it get sucked in and we can miss a gem of a verse. And for me, this gem is verse 30. When they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let me read it again. When they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. A couple things in it. When they. Who is they right now? It's Jesus and his disciples. Exactly. And what did they do? They sung a hymn. Stand with me for the benediction. (laughs) Please no, we're not done. Absolutely not. So here it is. Music is part of our lives, right? People listen to music in different places. They listen to music in different times of day. People have favorite songs. I know I have favorite songs. Some people sing. Some people are embarrassed to sing. But what about Jesus and this verse? How does it hit you if I say that Jesus was a singer? 
I went on a little journey into the world of Kidmen, talking to the kids, and the Kidmen workers that walked by to get their input on this situation. Watch and listen. I think I know you from someplace. I think I know you. Malachi, I'm curious. Do you ever listen to music? Do you ever listen to music? AJ, I'm curious if you ever listen to music. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I do. When do you listen to music? When do you listen to music? On my tablet. Um, mostly in the car. Uh, mostly in the car. Um, in the car and sometimes during dinner. The car? Like, in the car at dance, a lot of stuff. In the morning, Sunday mornings, when it's time to get the kids up, is a nice time to loudly crank music. I don't always do that. Um, I listen to music when I am driving. I listen to music when I'm not working. I listen to music sometimes when I'm working. In the car. In the car. Do you have a favorite song? No. No. All right. Do you have a favorite song? Um, I don't think I do. Do you have, uh, uh. Child by the Five Stair Steps. Probably Let You Down by NF. I'm trying to think what I like to sing in the grocery store. My favorite is probably Debbie Gibson. And I say, wait for it. I get lost in your eyes. Then I feel my spirit rise. Can you sing it for me? Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. Can you sing a little bit of it for me? I don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to? Oh, come on. Um, Help me out. Could you sing like a line or two of it? No. Can you can you sing any of that for me? I can. I don't know what you've been so, but the sky right here is gonna overrun. Don't clap. Can you sing a little bit of it for us? I don't want to. You don't want to? Okay. No. Okay. Could you sing that song for us? I want candy. Give me what I want. That's all I know of the song. I close my eyes so I can see. A world that's waiting just for me. You know my patience is very thin. Wish I was there again. I'm not embarrassed to say that we've always had issues. I'm embarrassed to say that we never took care of them. Ooh, child, the things, things are gonna, gonna get, get easier. easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. It's been the best summer ever. Wheels away, surf a chair. The best summer ever. Rocking every night. That How would you feel if I told you that Jesus was a singer. Surprised. Why would you be surprised by that? Because I never knew people sing a lot then. How would you feel if I told you that Jesus was a singer? Really interested in that, I can. Because why? It's kind of interesting. I normally just hear, I just normally hear him, um, in Bible stories, cheap preaching and all that stuff, and I've never heard him sing. Jesus was a singer. I saw those eyebrows. What did what did that mean? Uh, if I if I said Jesus was a singer, that's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, how would you feel if I told you that Jesus was a singer? Pretty cool. What do you think Jesus sang? Christian songs. What do you think Jesus sang? Hmm. Anything. Anything. Probably Christian songs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ma mainly like worship songs, like that that we do in church. Um, what do you think Jesus sang? 
I don't know. A very reasonable response. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> so last week I made a comment about Jesus cooking breakfast for the disciples. I said maybe how that was part of Jesus' routines. And there was no explanation to him cooking for them, just a statement of fact that Jesus prepared breakfast for his disciples. Did anyone feel like it was sacrilegious to say that, that Jesus cooked breakfast for his disciples? Let's look at this verse. No explanation. How does it hit you that Jesus was a singer? What do you think he sang? And we're going to look at this moment. Just this moment. They sung a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. So as I read that verse, a number of questions have come up in my study of it. And this is where I started. One, where is there singing in Scripture at all? Another one, why sing at all? Does singing even matter to God? What did Jesus sing, and what kind of singing was it? Let's look at the first question to set a foundation for what's ahead. Old Testament first. I will be going through eight or so references. So if one catches your ear, you don't have to turn there. Just write the reference down. It's also in the Bible app. Let's consider the book of Psalms, one of the longest books of the Bible. Psalm 47, 6, sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Ooh, four times right there. We got something on singing. Psalm 96, 1 through 2. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim of his salvation day after day. Zephaniah, that's a real book of the Bible. Zephaniah 3.17. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And what I love about Zephaniah is this right here. Who will rejoice over you with singing? God. God does. God rejoices over you with singing. That's it, the New Testament. We have our Matthew text for today. We also have it mirrored in Mark 14. Almost identical in Mark 14. We have Ephesians 5, 19 through 20. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 16, that the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Hebrews 2.12, Jesus says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. Singing is part of the life of Scripture. These eight references I made are just a taste. Music and singing is everywhere in Scripture. And it has the potential to have a pretty significant effect on us. There's a place in 1 Samuel that I did not mention where a person named David plays his harp for another person named Saul. And Saul's response, he was refreshed. And what was plaguing him left him. That was just music as far as we know. So if we combine beautiful music to words, the words of scripture, the words of truth and worship, 
it can certainly move the heart. And when our heart is moved, we should open our mouths and sing. We need to engage it in some way. We need to respond to it in some way. Some of my Kidman years, meaning when I was a child, I was in the Methodist church. I didn't fully see it at the time or appreciate it, but um, I saw pictures of John and Charles Wesley, forefathers of the Methodist, Methodist church. And they were great gifts to the singing and music world. John Wesley, as a 58-year-old, in 1761, wrote in a hymnal the following words as part of the introduction to the hymnal. Sing lustily and with good courage. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. Let's listen. Praise Father Son. Praise Father Son. Praise Father Son. And Holy Ghost. All people that on earth do dwell sing to the Lord with cheerful voice him serve with mirth his praise forth tell come ye before him and rejoice oh enter then his gates with joy Your tongues employ, oh, bless and magnify his name. Yeah. Sure. 
sing lustily and with good courage. So why sing? Why do we sing? When I look at singing, I see it as a point of unity. As we sing the same song, the same words. It's a place of communion with each other, with the body that we're singing with. Think about when we sing as a culture. Any ideas? Ooh, the national anthem. That is one for sure. Sports fans. Sports fans sing songs together about their team. Uh, Something about fly, eagles fly. (laughs) And here's what happens. This is not a promotion for the eagles, but it's the easiest example. It unites and invigorates an entire crowd. And even if you hear it on TV, you know the lyrics in your living room, you join them in song. It unites and invigorates. There's just this roar when our teams win. Uh, congrats to Ephrata High School, by the way. So their high school football team won last night. They broke a 52-game losing streak. That's five years. Now, this is, I am not digging into them. That is something that you celebrate. Well done, Ephrata. You better believe there was a roar in that stadium with that. They were all united around it. You know, Christmas time, we also sing songs. We sing songs together. Um, Have you ever been to a New Year's party? There's some song that we sing at midnight. Unites us. It sends us into the new year. Speaking of parties, what do we sing at a birthday party? Happy birthday. Right. Everybody sings happy birthday. Happy birthday. I might be embarrassed by this. Happy birthday is one of my favorite songs (laughs) to sing with the staff here at the church. Not only does that mean cake or pie or a treat, but it means we get the rumble of the couple bass singers that are on staff. We get a number of people singing in parts. We have beautiful harmonies, and we have everybody singing together, celebrating the same thing. How often does that happen? Or even that last song. Three people, learning their parts, preparing, coming together, unified over a single song in worship. How often does that happen? With a foundation that singing is part of Scripture, it's part of the behavior of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and the impact of music on heart and mind. There's unity and communion that could exist. Let's consider what did Jesus sing? And Pastor Ken already gave you a hint earlier. He said a word in his introduction to a song, and he said the word Hallel. Scholars believe that part of the Hallel has the highest likelihood of what was sung by Jesus. This is based on the behavior of the Jewish community at the time and the traditions that continue to be followed. Opinion on the Hallel differs slightly, but its widest view is that it's the scripture between Psalm 113 and 118. So I'm going to give a brief outline of those psalms. 113, it's a psalm of praise. It's hallelujah, God is amazing. 114, it's about the past, and it's about the freeing of the Jews from bondage in Egypt. 
115, all glory to God. Not to idols, not to self, but glory to God. They were remembering their bondage, and then they're saying glory to God where we are. 116, crying out to God, hoping for survival, but remembering who God is. 117, the nations of the world are invited to join songs of thanksgiving. And 118 is a song of thanksgiving. As a whole, this section of scripture is praise. It's requests not to be forgotten, and it's thankfulness for the past, the present, and the future. How was it sung? What kind of singing was it? Pastor Ken also gave a hint for this earlier. Following the patterns of the times, it was likely sung antiphonally. The word is antiphonal. The leader would say something, and then everybody else in the room would respond. The idea is that it's a call and response. Now, I pulled a Michael W. Smith in high school with choir solo uh, that illustrates this decently. So let's see if, if you know the response to this. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's call and response. Now, Jesus wasn't a Michael W. Smith fan at the time. Now, he sang something else, and it was part of the Hillel, not the whole thing, meaning Jesus would sing a section of the Hillel, and it would be followed by a choir of men in the room singing Hallelujah. Jesus did this right before he went into the garden to pray, before his arrest, before the cross, and before the resurrection. Now, the Hillel also includes scripture that talks of salvation, praise, and messianic arrival. As I thought about the room in that time, knowing what's to come, the Hillel must have been profoundly stirring to the disciples after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus had sung with them. He had led them in song about the cup of salvation, worshipped the character of God seen in history, and then sung of the arrival of the Messiah. It was all right in front of the disciples. Again, singing is intimately connected to the Old and the New Testament. It was used in tradition and also to reveal something. It was used to unite and to prepare for the future. You know, I was embarrassed when I did that Michael W. Smith solo back in high school. I remember looking down, not looking at the crowd that was up at the choir concert. My head was up just high enough for my mouth to hit the microphone, to pick up my voice. You know, I, I often sometimes sit in this room, this very same room, and when prompted, there's something in me, in my heart and mind, to do something, I might fail to stand in worship. Now, there's no must to having to stand, but when you sense something, something saying, stand to your feet, and you don't do it, what is that? I was thinking of just a common courtesy. If you feel like you want to raise your hands, it would be common courtesy to stand, because if you don't stand, you're going to be slapping the backs of people's heads. What stops you? 
I still think about it myself. What stops me from standing sometimes? Is it better for me to sit in front? Is it better for me to sit in back? Where, where is that place where I can respond? Now, that was standing and hand-raising, but what about just singing? Jesus sang. How do you respond? Do you have any appreciation for music? You know, I was thinking about the signing that happened in the first song. It's a response. Those weren't literally words, but it was a response to the music. And it was song. How do you respond in those moments? For further thought and for reflection, for consideration for yourself, think about these questions. How do we sing as a church when we're together? How do you sing? What part do you play? What cautions might you have about singing together? Is singing part of your worship? Why or why not? I would encourage families, anybody in this room, to have these conversations in the car on the way home. And I would encourage you not to dodge the truth. If you don't stand in worship, okay, why? If you don't open your mouth to sing in worship, why? What would that reveal about yourself as we respond to the greatness of God? Are you responding at all? Many of the things that catch my mind and heart in Scripture have been about discovering more about who Jesus was while he was with us. He cracks a joke about a priest and a Levite crossing to the other side, and there is no other side. He starts conversations with, peace be with you, but what is there to be feared? And he encourages those that deny him by communicating, I love you. And let's not forget that Jesus was a singer. The kingdom of God is built on these things. We just finished our series, Ablaze, Life and Scripture Meet. Can you yourself identify a book, a section of Scripture, a verse that has caught your mind? Don't ignore that. Chase it down, pray through it, study it, and enjoy it. Let it come alive. May our lives go into the world singing of Jesus. Would our song ring true even when we're, when we're slightly off key? And may people ask about the tune of our life. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Look at the friends and community you have around you right now. Welcome them. Pray for them if needed. Enjoy the community. If you colored the front of your bulletin, I'd love to see it. We'll see you next week when we start a new series.